Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. And I'm Giselle, owner of Wander Design Co. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We love being transparent, honest, and down to earth on this podcast. We consider you guys such an important part of our episodes. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community, uncovering industry secrets, and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Welcome back to Better the Brand Designer Podcast. We're super excited to be hanging out with all of you guys today. Um, Let's jump right into our intro question for today. Giselle, take it away. Yeah. Jen, when was the last time you felt totally confident in taking on a design project? And when was the last time you felt pretty incompetent in taking on a design project? Oh my gosh, this question is so good because immediately I want to say, I never feel totally confident taking on a design (laughs) project. That's like my first response. But I feel like recently, you know, since my rebrand, since I've really started working with creative partners and team members, I, uh, I feel like one of the most recent clients that I've taken on, which is um, a client in the, um, the beauty industry, which is totally a fantastic fit for us. Um, that's when I felt really, really confident. And it's also been my, my highest package booked to date, which is fantastic. Um, she is just like a dream client. She's so trusting of me. Um, she is like really, really busy with her business. And so she's not like kind of all up in my grill about stuff. But I think that initial sales call with her made me feel really confident because she was so confident in me. So it was like, I went in with confidence, my confidence inspired her confidence. And then her confidence made me feel more confident. That's amazing. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So the last time I felt really incompetent in taking on a design project was, man, it was probably my first Squarespace build. And that happened like about a year ago, which is crazy. I've only been offering web design for about a year now. I felt really out of my element because I was designing, I was coding it myself. I was doing the dev myself and I had never worked on like a website project before. So I didn't really know like what the process looked like. Mm -hmm. So, um, that was, yeah, I definitely felt pretty incompetent there. Um, and you know, I just, I got through it. The website looks good. Um, and I am now working in Webflow pretty much exclusively. I don't know if I told you that Giselle, I've, I've moved away from Squarespace and I'm, I'm really only taking on Webflow projects and thinking about doing Squarespace day rate, but I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I've I'm Webflow, my full yeah. I love it so much. It's, I just, yeah. It is so amazing. <laughs> I don't want to jump on that wagon right now because we have a very limited time. Yes, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Um, so how about you give us your answer? Yeah. Uh, so those are great answers. And I love asking this question to myself a lot too, just to keep track of like progress in and uh, building that designer confidence, uh, which we'll talk more about today. And I think the last time I felt totally confident in taking on a design project is the one that I'm actually doing right now. It's a brand identity design project. And I've been, I've had my brand designer do the design projects lately. So to me, it feels like I, it's been a while for me that I've created a brand identity design. So at first I thought, okay, like, am I, am I going to suck at this? Just like (laughs) super rusty. But as soon as I started doing the the brand discovery, like the strategy part, I was getting super excited and a hundred percent confident when I sent in the, the uh, PDF for review, I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be great. That's amazing. Cause yeah, usually when I send the PDF, that's when my confidence tanks. That's when yeah. I'm like, oh crap, this sucks. Like, uh, you know, but right. I think maybe, maybe just having that time of just, you know, having someone else do it, overseeing it for a little while. Like I've sort of detached myself from it and then getting back into it. I'm like just super eager to get back on it. That's amazing. That's um, awesome. Thank you. And so the last time I felt pretty incompetent on taking on a design project, um, this happens very often, but I'm trying to think of one specifically. I do remember one that really stands out. It was for a video design. It was like animation. Like we do a lot of GIFs, but this one was more like they were asking for more things that required Premiere Pro, which I know how to use. And like, I can put little things together, but 
every time I would send something, it kept getting rejected. Like, no, that's not what we were looking for. That's not what we were looking for. And I was at one point, I was just like, okay, like I am not competent for this. Like, I'm sorry, but it's always around like using tools that you just are not skilled in, you know? And like, of course we want to challenge ourselves and take on projects that kind of force us to learn a certain skill. Um, But when you're in the middle of it, it's like, it's hard. And especially when you're at the point in your business where you're not ready to outsource work and you are the only one doing all the work. I mean, I, I, I was there last year, you know, and I, I was doing all the code myself and now I don't, I don't handle that anymore, which is fantastic. But, you know, at that point in my business, I wasn't, I couldn't afford to, to get someone else to do it. So I felt like I was working outside my zone of genius and that just makes me feel incompetent. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I, that's where I realized, you know, okay, I need to outsource this work because I'm not working in my zone of genius and then my designers can do this. So it, it's up to me to do it. And mm -hmm. I don't have the time to find someone to do it for me. You know, I had to like, retreat basically. And it, because it was a new client relationship, my confidence kind of went down and I thought, oh my gosh, this person is not going to hire us again. Cause it's like a retainer package thing. And it was a first month, first month trial. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh boy, I really tanked it. And so I just like sucked it up and, and let her know like, Hey, you know, this isn't our zone of genius. Like we're more than happy to do gifts and other things like that, but like, we'll credit back some of the hours and like, not all of it, but like some of the hours and this and that just like to reestablish that relationship and for them to feel confident in us. Mm-hmm. Cause I wasn't feeling confident. So that, that was a whole thing. I'm glad that you're working on that, that really cool project. I feel like it sounds like we're both like working on projects where we're like super confident. And of course, like I'm never confident in the amount of time that I'm going to have for, for something that's like a a theme. Um, (laughs) I I think that like, I'm, I'm I'm slowly figuring it out. I mean, I think that, you know, 2021 is going to all be about, you know, learning how to sustainably scale my business, um, Mm -hmm. in a way that works for my lifestyle rather than, um, trying to fit my life around my business, kind of doing it and the other way, fitting my business yeah. around, around my life. Um, I'm so excited of, for you. Thank you. That, yeah. yeah. I think 2021 is going to be a really big year for us. Um, and especially like me personally too, because I want to be working less. I mean, I have to be working less because of the baby. I do think that we should jump into, it's a good segue for our conversation today, talking about designer confidence and imposter syndrome. This is an episode that we conceptualized way before we even started thinking about season three. This is like something that we have always wanted to talk about. We've touched on imposter syndrome a couple of times in some inbox questions and maybe in some of our conversations. But I think Giselle phrased it really, really well, where, you know, she wrote in our, I'm reading our little outline right now. Most of the time, the most asked question that we get, actually hundred percent of the time, most asked questions we get is how do I get clients? Where do I find clients? Mm-hmm. Where do, where are the clients that pay you a lot of money? Like, do those exist? Like all about clients, money, like that type of thing. And I think that what people should be asking, and you know, we we also see this question often is how do I be imposter syndrome? I feel like that once I once personally in my business journey, once I moved away from asking like how do I get clients, how do I get clients, and I started working on my own mindset. And I started really believing in myself and cultivating that confidence in myself. That's when I feel like I started discovering those clients that would pay more. Does that make sense? Giselle? Yes, absolutely. And I, my personal journey is that way too. Like at first when I started off in my business, and this is another reason why we're so excited to talk about this um, topic is that's, you know, when you stop focusing on, you know, where do I get clients? And you start focusing more on like the value that you want to give and investing in like education and how you can be better and, and this and that, like you are just going to attract those clients and attract the higher paying clients, the ones that come to you and are just like, I'm so confident in you. And you're like, Oh, I guess I'm confident in me too. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like the best thing ever to hear is like, you know, I got a text from my client the other day. I was asking her about what type of gold foil she wanted on her business cards. And I was like, these are the, all the options. Like, what do you think? She's like, girl, I'm busy. I trust you. I was like, (laughs) Oh my gosh, that was just so, it was so nice to like, you know what? Like there are a lot of decisions that we need to make for our clients. That's what they're hiring us for. Um, but yeah, like let's, let's jump into talking about imposter syndrome. So to me, I'm just going to like define this for, mm-hmm. for me. Imposter syndrome is when you look at 
other people and you think to yourself, like, who am I to be doing this? I'm not as good as them. It's very rooted in comparison. It's very self-degrading. It's a mindset that can creep up on you, honestly, without you knowing it. Like, it's not something that like, you're thinking to yourself, like, I'm a bad designer. I'm not good enough. Why am I doing this? Like, I'm sure all of you guys, every single person who's ever been a designer or worked in creative services or, you know, anything has had those thoughts. And it's something that you can beat. It's something that you can choose not to have in your mind. And once you kind of like realize that those thoughts are there, that's when you almost like can kind of release them from your mindset, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. And, you know, I agree, like imposter syndrome is that for me too. And having like, it, it blocks you from pursuing what you know you can do because there's a little voice inside of you that tells you that you're not good enough to like even put in that proposal or you're not good enough to reach out to that potential lead or you know all of these things where there was a a request for proposal I don't usually um, respond to them but there was one that somebody sent to me for a really high budget and said like I would be a really great fit for this like I should you know submit a proposal for it I ended up not submitting the proposal for other reasons, but at first my initial thought when I read through the request was I'm, I can't do this. Like I'm just one person. Like they're, you know, I, I put in this whole narrative of why I was not good enough and why I shouldn't even bother. And then I realized, Oh my gosh, that's my imposter syndrome making me so fearful for something that I can do. And yeah, you have to just like sit back and like really become aware of this. And we'll talk a little bit more about spawning it and how to address it. But first I want to like bring out like, well, first I want to address that, you know, when we're talking about imposter syndrome, we are coming from a space that we uh, have pretty good mental health. And this is um, something that is harder for other people to work with. And I personally, like, I'm not ashamed of it. I, I see a therapist for other things in my life and imposter syndrome is sometimes one of it. Um, I can't say it's like, it's not definitely like my main reason for therapy. I just enjoy like having those self-reflections and trying to work on myself and be a better person as the way that I define it. But yeah, if like, there's a whole thing, if you recognize that it's a mental health issue for you or something like that, then I definitely recommend seeking therapy for it or talking to a friend or someone that you love. Um, You can even reach out to us to talk about it. And um, besides that, we'll talk about imposter syndrome just in in general. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I thank you for mentioning that, Giselle. I think it's so important that, you know, we're giving advice to you guys and talking to you, you know, like you're in the conversation with us, but of course, like everyone is going through something. And so whether Mm -hmm. that's, you're struggling with mental health or, you know, you're going through something with your family or, you know, the holidays are always really stressful. We're recording this right now during the holidays. Like we don't know what you're going through. And Mm -hmm. so like, what is so important is finding those connections. Like, like Giselle said, like reaching out to us, reach out to someone in the Facebook group, say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. Like, does anyone have an experience with this? Like, that's why we started this podcast. And also Giselle hats off to you for seeing a therapist. I think that's awesome. (laughs) Um, I I've definitely considered it for sure, especially like, you know, starting off my life as a new mom. And there's just a lot of stressors. I've just been dealing with a lot of anxiety recently. I've actually been posting about it a lot on, on Instagram, just kind of how I'm dealing with that. Um, but yeah, everyone, everyone's going through something guys. Um, and, and, and we recognize that and we respect that. Yeah. Thank you for saying that, Jen. Yeah. Some of the questions that come up a lot when regarding imposter syndrome and designer confidence sound like this, how can I charge more for my services? How can I set boundaries with clients? Um, When will I be ready to start a new service or start selling a new service, start a new business? And like, how do I overcome creative block? Those are all related to designer confidence and imposter syndrome. If you go to the root of it, that's where it's coming from. Like, what do you think, Jen? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I know. I definitely, I love that. I love the connection that you made between those questions. And like, the last thing that we want to do is like, put it back on you and say like, oh, well, it's your fault that you're not making X amount of dollars. But like, we're going to be real on this podcast. If I was talking to myself a year ago, I would tell myself exactly that. I'd be like, like you have more control over this than you think you do. And that's not a blame game. That's not me chastising my past self for like 
mm-hmm. being not confident because that's something that you have to grow. You can't just decide to be confident one day and then you're confident. It's not just, yeah. like I wish it did, but like, yeah. you know, if I'm talking to myself a year ago, like how do I charge more for my services? How do I set boundaries with clients? It's like, what do you want? Literally ask yourself, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to be making a million dollars a year? Would you be happy with, you know, $50,000 a year? Would you be happy with $20,000 a year? You know, mm-hmm. would you be happy with a part-time salary? Would you happy be happy just doing stuff for fun? You know, like it just, it goes back to like kind of what I was talking about in the beginning of the podcast. Like you have to form your business around you, what you want. And so rather than, and I'm guys, I'm still struggling with this. Like I'm such a people pleaser. Like I just want my clients to be happy. And so I will bend over backwards when they probably didn't even need me to do certain things like responding to texts after hours or, you know, adding on things to a project without asking for them to pay more because I want them to like me, you know, like all of that stuff goes down to, you know, me not being confident in the fact that I'm the professional and that I'm the one who's driving the project, not the client. So when you, when you look at these questions, how do I charge more? How do I set boundaries? When am I going to be ready to, you know, start doing web design or start doing coding or doing a day rate or whatever, like do what you want. And then the clients will fit into what you want for your business. And the clients that don't fit in will just not fit in. Does that, I feel like that just is so like crazy and random. Does that make any sense at all? It makes (laughs) total sense to me because I, I relate to that a lot and it's, um, I am also a people pleaser and that's something that I've recognized within the last couple of years. I'm like, okay, like, do I like being that way to a certain extent? No, like there's an extent that I do enjoy it because I am a very patient person and I, I don't know, I just try to see the best in people, but it is hard to say no when you're like that. And, um, but recognizing, like taking a step back and reflecting on what is my intention? Like, what do I want for myself and what do I want to give? Because then we do start harnessing a lot of negative feelings towards things or projects because we didn't establish those boundaries with ourselves on how much we want to give. And, you know, then that results in it's, it can be a whole chain reaction of, you know, we then don't show up as our best selves for the project because of those negative feelings, which in turn gives us really bad results or not ideal results, I should say. And then you feel icky about the whole situation where from the beginning, you could have just voiced like, Hey, this, this is where my boundary is. And they would have been totally okay with it and recognizing that they'll be okay with it. And you are a professional and and this is just part of the thing, the game for you, then there's nothing wrong with that. I love how you said that, like the client probably won't even care. Yeah. You know, that's like, that's such and a I big that- thing for me. Like, it's so hard to think that I think what I think in my head, this is, this is how I think guys. And this is like, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but like my imposter syndrome tells me that the client is sitting there at their computer, staring at their inbox, waiting for me to respond to their email. Or they're like (laughs) sitting there looking at their phone, waiting for me to text them back. And when I don't text back in an hour or so, then they hate me or they like, they're going to like not (laughs) refer me to someone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. When this is the reality guys, they're busy with their kids. They're out to dinner with their family. They're doing their own job. And they're not thinking about you, you know, like I actually posted a thing on Instagram the other day that like it had, it was like a Venn diagram and like one side of it was like all these imposter syndrome thoughts. Like, oh, like, look at who, look at what she thinks she is. Like, she's trying to be an influencer. Look at, oh, that that's so embarrassing. Like, it's like other people thinking about you. And then the, the other side was like, like what I, I don't even, I, I'll have to like share it with you guys. Cause it's like difficult to explain, but like, basically the whole idea was they're not thinking about you. Those are all thoughts that you have that you put in other people's minds that like you're thinking that they think about you, but they're actually not thinking about you at all. And this is something that I struggle with guys, like so, so bad. And it's like something that honestly keeps me off of, um, off of Instagram stories because I love <laughs> chatting and like talking and being on video and stuff. But, like, I don't go on because I'm like, oh, I look bad today. Everyone's yeah. going to think that I think I'm so cool, but like, I'm not like, I don't know. Those are all I, the thoughts that like go through my head. And like, I'm sure you guys resonate with that. I love that diagram because I saw that and I loved it when you shared it. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll link it in the episode notes. And that leads me to wanting to talk a little bit about the self, AKA the ego. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think we really need to talk about regarding designer confidence and imposter syndrome, because in my own personal journey, trying to become better has really made me self-aware and 
from self-awareness comes like understanding where it's coming from and setting intention on if you want to change it or not and how. Mm-hmm. And um, that all revolves around our ego. And when I talk about ego, I'm not saying like, oh, like I have a huge ego or that person has very low ego, like that, that whole like negative stigma about ego that we have in our culture today. I'm literally talking about the self, like our, our self-identity and the ego, like if, so we have like our authentic self and we have our ego, if you can separate it and it likes to feed off of feeling superior, which is, it comes through like comparing, right? Like comparing yourself to other people, like, or feeling low because other people are doing better than you or seemingly doing better than you and things like that. It also feeds off of owning things and it can be their material or like a project, something intangible. For example, if you are the lead designer of a brand project or something, then your ego like attaches to that. And so you start caring about it so much because it starts becoming about you instead of about the project. And then um, the ego feeds off of labels and recognition. So trying to get these awards just to get the awards. And it's really about like, like what is your intention as opposed to like, what do you want to attach yourself with to? It goes into so many other things, but we basically are measuring our successes through like these measurable achievements or materials and like income and job position too. So that's when I talk about the ego, that's what I'm talking about. And one of the things is like, if we try to, detach ourselves and like detaching our self-worth from our failures and our successes, you're going to feel a lot better, a lot happier and not put so much pressure on yourself on the projects that you're involved with or the people that you're serving. Cause at the end of the day, we're, we're a service-based business. Mm -hmm. I I think there's, there's so much good stuff to unpack here. It's like, what do I even want to talk about? I feel like this just like popped into my head. I wanted to share a story with you guys. And this relates to the topic, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) This goes back to when I was working in New York City. I, I don't know if you guys know, but I got my start in editorial design. I have a journalism degree from Northwestern and I worked as an intern at Cosmo and I worked as a designer at Women's Health Magazine, which was fantastic. Loved it. Um, But my husband, um, my husband and I got married right after I got my job at Women's Health New York. And I quit my job like maybe about six months in and basically like moved out of New York, moved down to Alabama and to this, like, it was like, a, it's a little tiny army town. There's no magazines. There's no design. There's no in-house design jobs there. Um, and like, I feel like so many people in New York just didn't understand like why, why I was doing that. I was basically like shooting my whole career down. Like the, I was at the be- very beginning of like my career in magazines in New York city, you know, like in this like hot city, like I was like 21, you know, like so many people told me that like, oh, I think you're making a mistake. Like, what are you going to do? Like, there's no design jobs. Like, you know, like, you know, that like, if you move away, then like, you're not ever going to have like this career that you've always imagined for yourself. And like, I was okay with that. I was fine with that. I knew that I had made the decision that I wanted to do. And so happy. I love my husband so much. and so glad that we're together. But like, I think that a lot of those doubts from when I started my business, when I was in Alabama, I was like, I guess I got to go freelance. And you guys can go back and listen to the first episode. I think we talk about this a little bit about like kind of how I got my start. I still have like little voices in my head um, that say like, why did you quit your job? Like, why did you decide to go off and do this on your own? Like who gave you the right, like all of those little things. And so like, I feel like sometimes my ego kicks in and I want to do projects so that I can like show them, you know what I mean? So that I can say like, oh, like, oh, you thought I wasn't going to be anything. Like I'll show you, you know? And like, there is a certain level of positivity that can be from, you know, wanting to like prove something to someone, but sometimes it gets unhealthy where I am only like, I like, I'll I'll be in the middle of a project and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to post this on Instagram so that everyone can see what a cool project I'm working on, you know? And it's like, is that really where I want to get my, like my success, you know, like, is that really what I want my self-worth to be? Am I only working on this project so that I can share it on Instagram so that other people can see like, wow, look at this cool, big client that you worked on. It's like, I want the clients that I work with to be so fun and to be such a great experience that if Instagram didn't exist, then I would still have a good time. 
And I think it's yeah. a really good like little exercise to think about. And it's something that I constantly need to work on with myself. Sorry, the story was kind of long, but like, I don't know. I hope that like resonates with some of you guys. Like, I feel like everyone has different reasons why they, you know, are inspired to work and what moves them forward and what they define success as like, I'm not going to lie guys. Sometimes I define success through my Instagram followers. And that's like, yeah. not, that's not what I personally want. If you personally I've want that, that I yeah. like support that. I support that <laughs> so much. Like if that's what, is that what, if that's what, you know, you want and that's what fulfills you and that's your goal, then like you hit 10 K girl, you do it. Like, you know, yeah. but I, I just, my self-worth can be in so many different place like Instagram followers, dollar amount, telling someone about, oh, I hit my income goal this year. Like being able to, you know, say that I'm a part of, you know, some fancy mastermind or, or whatever, you know, like, and, and, and the fact that I have a lot of designers following me is amazing. And I love being able to inspire other people, but I definitely think that like my ego can kind of get in the way sometimes of like, okay, why am I doing this project just to like show those people in New York that like, <laughs> I, I am legitimate or does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Cause then absolutely. And don't apologize about that being a long story. Cause that was an enjoyable story. Okay. Um, thanks. First of all. But also like, exactly. That's, that's a really good um, example because, you know, attaching your success based off of like, what will people say on social media or people that, you know, you left from a previous job at the end of the day, they're going to give it like maybe two minutes attention. And you're spending all this time just for that. It's like, you know, you might feel very unfulfilled and you have to really be honest with yourself about like, why do I feel so unhappy when I'm doing all these amazing projects? I have all these followers and I, all these people know me and like things like that. And it's mainly because, you know, when you're measuring that success based off of what others would consider successful and not what you consider successful, then you do have to take a step back and, and think on that. And I've been doing a ton of that this year. I think it's really amazing to be humbled all the time. And I mainly like catch myself doing things based off of my ego outside of my business, like whether it's rock climbing or doing something else like that. Like it used to be like, oh, you know, I'm five foot two and I'm so tiny and people think that I can't do this, but I'll show them and I'll go do something like epic. And, and then I'm like, well, it was great that it like made me stronger, but I also like, it wasn't the right intention. And yes, so I don't feel intention. as fulfilled. Intention yeah. is what I was kind of looking for earlier that, that word intention. Like, I think everything that we're talking about boils down to realizing that you have a say in yeah. your business, which is like crazy because of course everyone wants to quit their job and start their own business. Cause then they can be their own boss and no one can tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. And then we just, we outsource that boss to our right. clients, to <laughs> our so audience, sad. to like, whatever. It's like, we're always looking to someone else to tell us that we're successful or we're looking to someone else to be like, wow, I really like that work. You know, it's like, of course we, we love when people post their work in our group and we love giving constructive, positive feedback. Um, nothing wrong with that, but like, you have to love it yourself. Like, I really feel like if I could go back and, you know, tell myself a year ago, like my, my, I was so, struggling so much with feeling confident with imposter syndrome, a little bit less. So now, obviously I, everyone still deals with it in some amount. I wish I could tell myself like that I'm allowed to make decisions for my business. Like that I'm allowed to say no to things. Like, I mean, of course, boundaries come in here, but like, it's just the idea of taking ownership of your business, what you define success as, what, what, what do you want the intention behind what you do to be, you know, some people are really motivated by the environment and they, you know, they want to create like a clean, you know, green brand agency. Like, I love that. Some people are motivated by, you know, the fact that they want to spend more time with their family, which is kind of what mm -hmm. I'm like tapping into right now. I want to spend as much time as I can with my baby, um, but also still be able to grow and scale. And so that's kind of like the goal behind when I take a project on, I'm like, how is this going to allow my family to have the lifestyle that we want to lead, but also how is this going to fit in and kind of serve that goal of success of, you know, I work two hours a day and spend the rest of the time with my baby. Yeah. And that you're defining success for yourself and it's just so much more fulfilling for you than like, why does it matter if you made a 10 K month, if you're not happy mm -hmm. or your projects are driving you up the wall or you're burned out? Like that is yeah. so real. I think we both have been there either through work or, you know, I definitely was approaching burnout a couple of weeks ago and had like 
a really long conversation with my husband where I was like, something has to change. Like I can't keep working like this. And of course the baby getting a little older and sleeping definitely helped. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, yeah, just, I love the bullet point that Giselle put in this outline practice awareness of when your ego is driving your intentions. Like that's so good. It's so hard to think yourself too, but I mean, there's so many things that I'm talking about now that I literally haven't even said out loud to anyone yeah. that I didn't know were in my head. So find yeah. 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 Talk about it. (laughs) Talk about it with someone. Write it in your journal if you don't feel as Mm -hmm. comfortable. Like I I really enjoy spending my mornings with a cup of coffee, writing in my journal, like before anyone's usually awake. Um, and just spending that time with myself before you know, before getting my head buzzing with everything that I need to do for the day or whatever happened in the day, because you have a very fresh start to just talk about what your intention is for the day. And another thing too, and this I think relates a lot to to a lot of us is setting a mindful intention to serve. So, you know, you're, you're checking with yourself, you're checking with your ego, your ego is always going to be there. We're always going to have an ego. Um, it's ourself. So mm-hmm. set a mindful intention to serve and move the spotlight towards the client and not you when you get on a sales call. So instead of calling it a sales call, you could even call it a conversation call, like a get to know you call. So then when you have your sales call, then you are talking more about getting to know the client and how you can help them. And they feel a ton of value from that. And personally speaking, that's provided the best clients for me. Like I go on to a sales call and I make it about the client. I ask them questions and only until they ask about me, will I talk about our services, but they're all in relation to what I just learned about the client. Because if I were to come into the call right away and start talking about like, look at all the awesome things that I do and how amazing I am. And then the client's going to be like, cool. Well, like you don't know anything about what they're looking for or yeah. what step in their business they're at. It's like dating. I know I'm going right, to use this metaphor yes. again. Like if you go into a dating first metaphor. date and then you're just like talking about how amazing you are, that's going to be a total turnoff for the other person. Or imagine yeah. you went to a first date and someone started talking about themselves the whole time. I mean, every, every girl has been on a date where the guy just talked about themselves the whole time. Like, yep. and then it's just like, okay, well you don't even like, do you even want to get to know me? It's like, like, I love that you said, move the spotlight towards the client. That's so perfect because like, they can tell when you come from a position of humility and wanting to serve them. Like, doesn't mean that you can't talk about, Oh, I had a client that was just like you and we did X, Y, Z for them. And they hit their revenue goals. They hired team members, their businesses grew. Like that's showing value, Mm -hmm. but it's also showing how you can come from a, a place of, you know, like service for the client. And so with that comes, you know, being okay with failing too. So again, like you're not measuring your self-worth through your failures and successes. So being okay with failing. And I, I love how Seth Godin says it. It's He calls it strategic failures because he says like, you can't like constantly strive for failure because then you're going to have no business. But yeah. like having like those small like risk-taking failures, like things like in, in design terms, like the exploration phase, like- Maybe there's something that just popped into our head and we would wave it off like, oh, that's not going to work. But it's just because we're, we're too afraid to like spend the time to do something that's going to end nowhere. Like you never know what kind of amazing results going to come out of that, especially when you're carving new paths in your brain to help you like come up with more creative ideas. That's how you overcome that creative block. Yes. Um, I sometimes when I'm designing and exploring, like I'm in the initial exploration if I know something's going to look bad, sometimes I'll just make it anyway, just to get it out of my system. Yes. Do you do that? Yes, I do. Yeah. And I try to do that a lot more now, um, especially like with typography. Like I tend to always follow the same style of typography and I'm like, I force myself not to like push myself out of that comfort so that I can like think of new things and new ways to do things. Yeah. It actually helped when I had, when I was contracting and I've actually moved into no longer contracting, which is such an amazing milestone wow. in my business, but it's like also sad. Cause like, I loved working for the people that I contract for not to say that I never will again, but just my business is so busy with client work right now. Like I'm so grateful for that, that I'm not taking on any contract work. Um, I'm actually looking for people to hire to do contract work for me, which is pretty crazy. Um, but like, 
I liked working for another designer because I knew that they'd be looking at my artboard. When we work for clients, they don't see our artboards. But when we work for another designer, the creative director would always want to see my exploration so that she wouldn't always be like, oh, did you try this? Did you try this? Did you try this? She could just see that I tried it and then it didn't work. So I guess Mm -hmm. maybe like come at your artboard from that perspective. Like, okay, if someone was going to look at it and say, did you try it in bold? Did you try it with, you know, a thinner font or, you know, like, and, and, and I, that goes into typography research as well. Like when you're looking for, of course, I have a signature style. Everyone has a signature style. Um, you go and find fonts that you love. It's just like, find, pull a font onto your artboard that maybe is outside of that a little bit. And like, even if that doesn't end up being the font that you choose, you at least know that like you really went down that path. And another thing that I'll say about the artboard is that like strategic failures in design kind of can come out of happy little accidents. Like sometimes I will like put a, a box on something like a colored box to like measure like a width of something. Like sometimes I'll use yeah. elements in my artboard to, to as like rulers or measurements to like I make sure that, that things are even. And then sometimes I like add a square and I'm like, wait, that actually looks cool with the border. And then I'll like explore <laughs> that. You know, it's like little things that I'm using just to like measure stuff or like whatever. Like, or if I I accidentally hit the wrong button, like the wrong icon when I'm doing like Pathfinder in Illustrator with paths. If I like will hit the wrong thing and it will like, it will knock out the wrong part of something that I was trying to knock out. Sometimes it'll actually look really cool. And I'm like, wait, that actually looks really cool. And then I'll like explore that. So like, if you never made those mistakes or never like try those things that you just knew were not going to work, then like you might end up with a different product at the end, which is yeah. Yeah. I love that too. And it's also like, maybe it won't work out for that project, but you can store it in your head for the next one. And Mm -hmm. you're just learning like these, these steps of like taking risks and like little failures and whether the client, you know, gives feedback that you would consider a failure before, but now you just see it as a learning lesson. Like Mm -hmm. it's only to better serve the client and you're providing a better project for them. Another thing too, what I really want to quickly mention, and then I'll, I'll, we'll move on is if you're, if you have a hard time saying no to clients or like to projects or anything like that, read the book Essentialism by Greg McGowan, and we'll put it on uh, the link. We'll put a link on the show notes as well. But um, he is, he basically talks about, you need to set intention of what you take on and what is important for you. Hence the word essentialism. So he goes on all about, all about it. And he does a really great job. Anyway, that just reminds me of like a, Recently, I've been defining success in my days as giving myself one to do on my list. If I get one thing done, then that day will be a success because I know that like my, I put so much of my self-worth and my success in my output and guys right now, I've got a five month old baby. My output is not very high and that's why I hire (laughs) team members, you know, like, so I, 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 it was really, really hard for me in those beginning weeks to think like, oh my gosh, like I'm not. I'm not producing like barely anything. Like I would, I would send like two emails and then my day would be over. And I would think, oh my gosh, wow, this day has gone down the drain. But it's like, no, my day is not down the drain. I was caring for my baby. Like that's what I want anyways. Like, you know, like, so. Yeah, that's like such an important essential job for you to have. And that should Mm -hmm. be the way that you, you uh, get, become successful, I guess I should say for the day. And that's, that's exactly it. I love doing that. Um, There's a little like, reflection journal exercise for the morning like and this has really helped me because a year ago and you could probably go back to episodes when we were recording around that time I was so burned out because I was saying yes to a lot of things because I was afraid of if I rejected somebody on something a new thing wouldn't come or you know they would think lesser of me of some way or whatever and like it was all like very ego driven and I had a hard time like letting go or getting help from you know, contractors and all of this. So I was in a very, like, if I could, you know, a year ago, like December, this is December 1st that we're recording. If I could go back a year ago and like write a little character of what I was like, I'm basically like a person running around with like their hair on fire. (laughs) (laughs) I remember, I mean, I remember those, those times when, 
you would be like, yeah, I was up till two in the morning, like trying to get this done. Right. Or like and five then you in also the morning. Had, yeah. Like, like I was like, girl, oh my gosh. Like, and at that point I was like, is this what you have to do to be successful? Because I was like right. looking so much to Giselle about like, I want to be where you're at. I mean, I still want to be where you're at, but like, I feel like I've just grown so much. I'm like, oh my gosh, am yes. I going to have to stay up till five in the morning in order to be successful? And like, no. oh, you don't. The answer is no, everybody don't stay no, up till five in the morning. It. Unless I, that's what you like. If you like right. to work at night and sleep during the day, then do that. But be intentional about it as well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, I just like, I'm a hundred percent grateful for my coaches and the books that I've read and the things that I've put into practice to get to where I am today, where I am probably working no more than 10 hours a week. And a lot of that time has spent of my own self-reflection, like a lot of solitude, a lot of like self-growth, but also a lot of time with my family. And at first, um, when I started taking a lot of time off and I have a team to help me with this, I felt very guilty. And I told my coach, like, I feel so guilty about this. Like I'm not showing up for certain things and this and that, like things are still getting done in terms of success, which by the way, like a year ago, success to me meant I'm hitting those 10K months, but at what cost? It was because I was completely burning myself out and, mm -hmm. you know, working myself to the ground. And that's not what success is for me today. Like we're still hitting that, um, the same goal, or whatever, but a successful month for me is one where I have my head on and our team members are, have their heads on. Like I, I have a team. To no one's hair is now. on fire. No one's hair is on fire. No, <laughs> nor the client and the clients are happy, but mainly like I have my business and this is what my coach reminded me. Why do you feel guilty when you built this business to help support your life? And if supporting your life right now means you supporting your family, because we you know we were, we've been going through something, things are a lot better now, but then that's success. And I felt so good about that. It's like, yes, you're totally right. And again, like having a community to help you like redefine or like, sometimes you lose track of that vision or you start feeling low on yourself and your ego is getting in the way and it's not letting you see these things and having someone to talk to helps you like position yourself back to that. Yes, moment. exactly. Like we can take ownership of what we, what we feel like success is for us. I mean, it just makes me think about, I think I might've I might mentioned this in an earlier episode, but like in America, especially in America, I know we have some international listeners, but I feel like especially in America, it's success is so data-driven. How much do you make? What kind of car do you drive? Like just those mm -hmm. antiquated, like just values, you know, of Instagram followers, Hey, guilty of that one. But like, we don't have to think of success like that. Like, I mean, I think this whole episode, that's what this whole episode is about. I mean, I mean, in, and also in America, what I was going to say is that like people, when you meet people, they're like, what do you do? Right. It's like one of the first questions that people ask, and it's just a social thing, but it's like, I don't know. Another question that I think someone, I didn't make this up, but someone said like, instead of asking like, what do you do? Like ask, how do you spend your time? You know, yeah. and then it's like maybe because if I asked Giselle, what do you do? She'd say, well, I have a, a brand and web design agency. But then if I asked Giselle, how do you spend your time? Then Giselle would like totally light up and start talking about how she loves to go outdoors and go hiking and camping and climbing and, and all that. And so like, I don't know, I just, I feel like that was such like a big moment for me because I was just like, wow, like what would happen if we started valuing how others spend their time and how others like want to live their life rather than like, Oh, what does she do? Like that, I mean, that goes back to like, you know, when, when I'm, when I'm thinking about like, I imagine my followers on Instagram looking at a post that I make, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to make this post about this launch that I just did. Cause I'm so good. Like, you know, and this is icky to me to like, think like that and to be like, Oh, it's nothing, nothing wrong with being excited to share your work. I'm not talking about that, but I'm just, I'm talking about like coming from the perspective of only doing something so that someone else can see it. Hello, social media. <laughs> you know? And that's actually been great for me. I mean, just to talk about something personal for a moment, like I don't share images of my family on social media. Like my personal life is off limits to my social media. And that's just like a personal decision that I made. I will never judge anyone for sharing anything on social media. If you want to share a billion pictures of your baby on Instagram, I will like all of them because I love babies. But like for me, I, that's not something that I share. And so like, there's so many pictures that I have of my baby on my phone that no one sees. I mean, I send them to my mom, but like, yeah. <laughs> I, there's, there's so much, and it's, it's been an amazing exercise for me in 
truly enjoying the moment because I'm not posting any pictures of him on there anyways. So it's like, what if I didn't grab my phone right now? And what if I just enjoyed him being happy and giggly without, without recording it, you know? And so like, maybe I'm kind of trying to take some of what I've learned from, from that. And and also my husband is allergic to the internet. He doesn't want his internet (laughs) anywhere, which I get. Um, so it seems like I always joke that it seems to people like from my Instagram that I like live alone and like, don't do anything other than designing. Cause I don't share any of my personal life, um, on there. Um, but basically what I'm, my main point is that like, I'm kind of learning from what I'm doing with there with my personal life, like not sharing. Um, and it actually helps me live a more intentional life because I know that if I was sharing all that stuff, then I would be tempted to create moments for social. Everyone's been there. Everyone's done it. Like, you know, to, think about like the perfect shot and how things would perform and analytics. And like, Mm -hmm. I just don't want any of that to be what I'm thinking about when I'm spending time with my family, if that makes sense. And also I'm not judging anyone who does share pictures of their kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you said that intention and that's like, you know, you're, you, you decide that that's your, your boundary. And then Mm -hmm. you like decide to just spend that time, like living in the moment and Mm -hmm. all these things for your family and what makes you feel good. And I definitely I do like, that with my business. I don't yeah. do that with my business. I definitely Isn't it so funny like, how it's so funny how like with there's my, so many things my, that we know about know, one part <laughs> of our life and we don't think about transcending it to the other part. I know. And so when and 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 I'll say this too is when I highly recommend anyone who's listening who's ready to get to that next level, coaching has been one of the best investments the best investment that I've ever made in my business. And it seems expensive because it is expensive, but I have seen such a big return, not only on my investment in coaching, but also the time and also what I've learned in my business. I've taken into my personal life, into my marriage, into my friendships, right. like into my relationship with my parents. Like there have been so much, there's, there's so much that I've learned from this business that I've then carried on over into like, the other part of my life that like has been so, so amazing. And that's kind of off topic, but like, oh, I relate to that a hundred percent. And yeah. I think I'm almost certain that if I didn't get coached, I wouldn't even have this business. Today. Oh my gosh. I would have quit a long time ago. Yes, me too. I mean, like I, it's been so difficult trying to figure out how to scale while having a new baby and working with the team for the first time and everything. Like if I didn't have coaching, like I, I don't, I feel like I would just be in the dark ages of like <laughs> yeah. my, of my business. Like, you know, like the dark ages for, for you, Giselle was last year when you were staying yeah. up until 5am. Like, I feel like I'm kind of in the dark ages even right now. And I might look back to this time and think like, like, how do you not have a project manager? And I'm already thinking about that right now. That's Giselle and I were talking about before we got on recording. And so like, okay, I need a project manager. I don't have a VA. I need, I need those things. You know, um, yeah. I'll look back and think like, I wish that I had like given up like control earlier so that I could. And that's what you say, Giselle, all the time. You're like, man, I wish I had hired a team earlier. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's just like so much more to unpack, but we were probably like running out of time. Yeah, um, I know. I like want to talk about this forever, but we do have, we do have a limit and we know you guys can't be listening to podcasts all day. We wish you could, but <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do a marathon one day. Oh my gosh. Let's <laughs> do a 24 hour live yeah. stream. I'm just kidding. Please don't. <laughs> no. So you're, you know, when you start becoming more confident because you stop attaching yourself to these failures and successes of your business and like the feedback that you get from a client, you really start to serve the clients a lot better and you have a lot less creative block. Another thing by Seth Godin that he believes in is he, he doesn't believe in creator block or he calls it like, or I guess he uses the word writer's block. He's like, there's no such thing as writer's block it's really just you preventing yourself from doing things because you put so much pressure on yourself to do the right thing the first time around that you just like don't even try. Wow, that's a hot take. I like that. Yeah, it's at first I was like, oh, I'm intrigued. But it's so true. Like, you know, first of all, there's burnout, which is, you know, if if you're burnt out, you really need time for yourself to like work on that, do something else for a little while and get that energy back and that excitement back. And then with creative block, it's, you just really, I you'll have to hear from Seth himself, but he basically says, you really just need to keep writing because 
it's not that you can't write. It's just that you keep writing things that you consider bad things, but then you have to get all of that, flush it all out until the good things start coming. So in designer terms, that's like design, like start designing, design, 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 get rid of all of the bad things that you thought of that, you know, aren't making it for you. And then you'll eventually get to something good. So it's a matter of just pushing through it. Slogging through the mud until you get to, I mean, and that's like the one concept method. That's why I like it is that like, Mm -hmm you know that there is that perfect design solution for the client. And then hopefully they're aligned on that. But like, you know, you have to slog through guys. I can't tell you the number of ugly things I've created on my artboard. (laughs) So many ugly things. And I'm like, I hate this. I hate myself, you know, but like you can't, you have to stop yourself at, I hate this. You can't look at something that you made and think I'm a bad designer. Yeah. You can't internalize that. You can look at it and be like, that is it. That is yeah. ugly AF. Like yeah. I'm showing that to anyone and not even my mom, you know, like, but then you can't <laughs> go from that and then put that on yourself and think I'm a bad designer because like you are not designed, you are not defined by how beautiful your icons are guys. Like yeah. little, yeah. like little self a mantra for you to yeah. say, I'm not defined by how cute my icons are or whatever. I don't know. Let's make t-shirts. Yeah. I love that. Let's do it. And yeah, like we, we are essentially our value. So I love earlier when Jen asked, like, I, you know, asking the question, like, what do you do in your free time? Like, what are your hobbies? These, These things, as opposed to what do you do for your living? Like someone can be, I don't know, like a clerk or some other thing. And like, that doesn't define who they are. Like maybe they, love like you know hanging out at a food drive on the weekends and this and that and, like that says way more about your values than the job that you just happen to have at that period of your time because mm-hmm. we are going to have a lot of jobs in our lives and what we choose without you know a form of payment or position or whatever that says a lot more about us and our values than what we it is we do for money yeah and so start turning that inward yeah start telling that to yourself start saying the things that I like to do, the hobbies that I have, the lifestyle that my business allows for me to have. These are the measures of success for my business. Mm -hmm. And once you start allowing those things to be the things that drive you and the things that like, that you're working towards rather than a number in your bank account. Although I'm not saying that don't make any money because guys, we're running businesses here. We need to make money, but like charge, (laughs) yeah, charge your worth, please. And that's a whole other podcast that I think we've talked about multiple times, but make that shift, make that like, you know, when you, you would never judge someone for their job. You wouldn't be like, you work at pizza hut. Oh, that's horrible. You know, like, I mean, maybe someone would, but they're mean, like, like you would never do that. You don't know, like what, maybe they are like, spending their time, like Giselle said, like, you know, like feeding the, feeding the hungry and like yeah. they're working at their soup kitchen that they, they volunteer more hours than they work or yeah. something. Or like maybe that. they're like, like a totally overworked parent because they're trying yeah. to provide the best life for their kid. Like, and that yeah. show, shows more about the value than it is. Exactly. The, the and so think about that when you're, if you're like, you were meeting yourself for the first time, you, how would yeah. you spend your time? Like, Oh, if I asked myself that question, I'd say, wow. I mean, I spend almost all my time with my baby and my family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also call people on all my, my friends on the phone all the time and bother them and have <laughs> conversations with them. Cause I'm like so weird. And I love talking on the phone, but like, those are the things that I like to do. And, you know, that, that is what makes me valuable is that like, I know I'm a good mom and that like, I have all these things that I love to do. And like, you know, like there's, I like to make jam and pickles. I love cooking. Like I love going to breweries, my husband and exploring new places and like travel and, and all that type of thing. It's like, allow my business then. Okay. Jen, that's awesome. I love that you like to do those things. Okay. Also, I'm, I have a web design agency and my business supports this amazing lifestyle and the hobbies that I like to do. Like, mm-hmm. think about it like that rather than being like, I'm a web designer. And then in my free time, I like to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because if you position yourself that way, then you're going to become a higher performer for your clients. You're going to give them higher value and then you can price things higher too so yes. that it, it's just like starts sustaining itself yeah um, so going back to those questions that we were asking in the very beginning that we see you know all the time how do I charge more for my services how do I set boundaries it's like this is a great 
place to invest your time and mental energy. If you're looking for that next level of client, you're trying to raise your prices, you're trying to scale your business. Like I'm there right now, guys. Like I'm not saying this as someone who's made it because I'm, I'm working on this. Giselle is the same exact way. We're, we're mm-hmm. working on getting better every single day. That's the name of our podcast. I knew I was going to make a pun about it guys. (laughs) Here it is. Um, Always reliable. uh, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's always going to come, but like, I I don't know. I just, um, I feel like, I I feel like I'm like preaching like from the soapbox or something, but I just want everyone (laughs) to know, like I struggle with every single thing that we've talked about today. I, you know, I don't define success the way I should. I find value in things that I shouldn't. I put so much undue pressure on myself. I worry so much about pleasing my clients, you know, like there's so much that I'm struggling with, but like the key is to talk about it with other people, get it out, like just write it down in your journal, like whatever it is. And then, then you can recognize it and then you can start making that shift towards working on confidence. Like I said, it's a muscle. You have to work it out. You don't just get really good abs by not going to the gym. I'm just gonna, that's my truth bomb guys. (laughs) If you want to have confidence, you have to practice. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And like pushing yourself out of that comfort too, knowing like allowing yourself to fail, um, is going to be another great way to do it. Um, And if you define, everyone gets to define their own success. If your version of success is to have that, whatever 10 K followers on Instagram or whatever number, and you intentionally, you know, when you travel, you like to do like post photos and things like that. Own it. Like if that's what you like to do, own it. Like it doesn't mean nothing is good or bad. It's just, as long as you define it for yourself, then you own it. And then that's, you're doing the right thing for yourself. Exactly. And that's the answer that we give when people ask us, should I share personal stuff on, on my business account? Yeah. We get that question all the time. Should I share business personal stuff on my business account? It's like, okay, what's your goal? Are you trying to, maybe you're a mom and you're a business owner. Maybe you're trying to connect with other moms who are business owners. And by sharing your life on social media, then it's going to allow them to like really have a better understanding of who you are, what you care about, what your values are, then go for it. You know, like if you're someone like me who just feels a little bit like less comfortable with that, then I've given myself permission to not share those things. It doesn't mean that one way or the other is good or bad. It just means that like, we're both being intentional, both of these people, me and this imaginary person that I've just thought of, we're both being intentional. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. And another thing too, um, one last thing, I guess, I think we already talked about other things you can do, but um, if you don't have a community to talk to or something like that um like just try starting one um by giving so by giving compliments by reaching out to people and things like that but also and we've talked about this before in previous episodes have like a little folder where you save screenshots of people praising your work or like your skills or the way you handle things like thank you so much for being patient or thank you for being so awesome like you rock like this work that you did blew me away. Like all of these things, like take screenshots of that and save it in a little like hype folder. That way, um, if you're starting to feel low, cause it will happen. It happens to all of us and you few, can go through it. I have a few examples from my hype folder. Do you guys want to hear? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So one of my clients said, okay, I am seriously obsessed with it. I can't stop staring. 10 exclamation <laughs> points. Jen, you nailed it. I took a oh. screenshot of that. Um, I think Giselle, there's a couple from you. Um, oh yeah. I sent you one recently that was like, boom. <laughs> it was boom with a little explosion. And then oh, I think send so. invoice will pay right away. <laughs> oh yeah. I love that. I think um, there's some from the very beginning of us like starting this podcast and we'll actually include, I want to include some of these screenshots because it just goes to show like, do you have a crazy idea you need to, 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 uh, to pursue it? It's like a Google drive um, invitation to a folder called podcast and Giselle's little like comment is we're crazy XOXO <laughs> that's from us like starting that was like back in March 2019 before we had yeah. even recorded an episode but yeah hype folder yeah it's amazing I love it awesome well let's go into the inbox question we have a couple that are similar and um I guess I'll just say both of them yeah Mariana Arsho asks, best ways to organize and automate my business? Like she's inquiring about that. And Samantha Hensky asks, I'd love to learn more about client management during projects like uh, processes, systems, et cetera. I'll just start off by saying that I'm actually working on a course 
called clickupfordesigners.com and it should have been launched by now. So go ahead and check that out to learn more about it. But um, essentially what I want to talk about is this, I love so much because it's part of the reason why I can take time off and have my team like manage the, everything without me. I think investing the time to work on your systems and organize and do it the way that works best, that serves your business and your clients best and your team, of course, if you have one, you're going to love yourself later down the line. <laughs> Jen, yes. I, I can open up the floor to you. Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, let me just say, this is great for you because now it's, you're going to have to launch in time. Yeah. For yeah. So, to air. <laughs> I know. Um, so that imposter like, syndrome, I have to beat it. I'm just going to launch I know, it. It served it. me really well. The last Guys, few months, I have so. been so excited for this course. This is something that I needed like yesterday because I'm in the point in my business where I'm beginning to hire, I'm beginning to work with other designers, developers, copywriters, you know, that type of thing. ClickUp has been an absolute lifesaver for me, but it is very daunting in the beginning. I'll be honest, I paid someone to set up my ClickUp for me because it was just so overwhelming that I was just like, I have no idea what to do. And so being able to look, like peek behind the curtain of Giselle's incredibly successful design business. I mean, she wouldn't, she wouldn't say that, but like, I'll go ahead and say <laughs> it for her. Like, if you want to see like exactly the way someone else organizes everything, like seriously go and take this course. I am so excited for it. Giselle helped me a lot when I was starting out with ClickUp. Um, and it's, it's going to be so amazing because like, there's not anything else out there like that. I think ClickUp is becoming more of an industry standard than Asana or Monday or any of those Trello, um, it's, it's what's next. So yeah, dive in guys. Um, so you said it's clickupfordesigners.com. Yes. Clickupfordesigners.com. I'll have it on a link down below and I'm going to do a, a launch promo for it. So it'll be like the cheapest price it'll ever be. And, Amazing. um, yeah, if you guys can hop on it quickly, that'll be better and ask me any questions about what, what we cover and this and that, but essentially like I, on top of it just being like ClickUp is a tool and tools change. And like Jen was just saying, like Asana and Trello have been around and I tried so many, including those, um, and know that ClickUp could be another one of those that five years down the line or something will not be the industry standard and we'll move on to something else. So I value a lot. I value like skills a lot. So learning how to approach, how to like automate your system and like spotting those things and figuring out as a brand designer specifically how we can use tools like ClickUp. It could also be another tool to um, to run our, our business as much as it can for us. That's where the value is. Like that's what I want to teach. So I'm very excited about that. Anything in terms of like client management, like your process and systems, what you can do right now is write it all down. Like one day you can write- Brain dump it onto a piece of yes. paper. That's what I did <laughs> yeah. when I started ClickUp. Mm -hmm. So if you brain dump it and then you kind of do like step-by-step -step process of what you would do and then maybe the next day, they've just been like 20 minutes on it and then the next day spend another 20 minutes and, you know, write more steps between those steps. And then from there, you can think about like, okay, well, what can I do to make this more helpful for someone in the future? Like if you catch yourself repeating something for a client or a team member or even yourself over and over again, record it and save that video so for future reference. So you're like, again, saving yourself time in the future. These little five minute things, 10 minute things can save so much time later down the line. I actually example, have, I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, oh, I was gonna say really quickly, for example, one of the things that I always forget about is like the CSS um, snippet that I use a ton for like vertical alignment. And instead of like Googling it all the time, I just have it bookmarked or I have myself doing it. And like I video, like I did a little video tutorial on it so I can just watch it right away and I know where to find it too. So that's awesome. Jen, yeah. I, I, I was going to say that, like, I definitely have been recording those little videos for myself and I actually have a ClickUp task in my like internal folder in ClickUp that has like, it's called video instructions. Yeah. And I have so many different video instructions for so many different things, like how to create a brand strategy presentation, how to send a canned email, how to do X, how to do Y. And so even if you're at a point in your business where you're not like you're not ready to hire a VA or you're not ready to hire a business manager, project manager, start making those videos so that yeah, when you that's do, the best time. then you have, okay, here's your training. 
because yes. when you're trying to like scramble to onboard people and hire people because the work is flowing in and you have so many inquiries, <laughs> it's like, I never thought I was going to be there. So I never invested the time in order to teach someone else how to run my business. And I wish I had, if I could go back and do one thing differently in the past six months, it would have been to organize the back end of my business because I, I didn't think that I would. I would be here, honestly. Like right. I did not think that I would hit my income goal. I did not think that I would be at the point where I am with all the inquiries that I'm getting. And I'm not saying this to boast or brag or anything. Like I, I just want you guys to understand that like you have to believe that it's going to happen and get set up sooner rather than later. And because if you don't believe that it's going to happen, then then who is, you know? Yeah, things will happen for you instead of you intentionally trying to make them happen. Yes. And then yes. you might not handle it very well. Yeah. Like there's a lot of things that I wish I handled a lot better, but the reason I didn't is just because I didn't set the intention for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Oh man. Yeah. Well, this was a loaded uh, episode and oh, thank you so guys good. so much for listening to the end. If you did. <laughs> yes, if you made it all the way to the end. Hit me, hit me up in my DMs and let me know that you made it to the end of this episode. Yeah, yeah same here. We would love um, to. Yeah. We get, we, honestly, we get DMs from people so often saying like, Hey, this really changed, you know, my mindset, this changed my business. This helped me in this project. Like we want to hear from you guys. You're not bothering us. We promise post it in the Facebook groups and us on DM. Like we can't wait to hear about how, you know, maybe something that we said, like triggered something for you. That was so good. That like made you better. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> All um, right, guys, uh, check out Giselle's ClickUp course, clickupfordesigners.com. We're super excited about that. Um, and join our Facebook group, all that good stuff. And we will see you in the next episode. Thank you so Bye, much guys. for hanging out. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. Search for Better the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources.